Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, what is going on, you guys? It is Jake here, coming to you all on a Tuesday morning, September fifteenth, twenty twenty-one bring you guys a little bit of a solo recap pod. Uh, Spenny and I were planning to uh, just do our typical uh, recap show that we did all of last season and the season before that, but just unfortunately there have been some scheduling conflicts. He had some work stuff going on tonight, so uh, he's going to be getting back in real late after watching the game. So he saw it and all that, but he's just kind of not able to get into an optimal recording space. So it's going to be me ripping this thing solo. We would have ideally like to stay up late and just kind of record it together, but I got some work stuff going on this week. I'm going to be traveling, so I got to got to get my ass in bed at some point here soon, but Ravens dropping their week one game at Las Vegas to the Raiders, final score of 33 to 27. With the Raiders uh, getting the W, um, tough loss. I mean, that, that kind of is the obvious Take right off the rip there. That is the uh, the thing that everyone's going to walk away from uh, this game thinking that the Ravens should have won this thing, that they they had it won several different times, and that it's just it's one that you really can't feel good about walking out of week one, heading into week two against Kansas City because 0-1, you're, you're looking at the Chiefs, and we've joked about it on the show, and I don't even know how much I'm, re- I'm really joking when I think that it's a complete and total guarantee that they lose to the Chiefs in Week 2. So basically the way that I think myself and a lot of Ravens fans are looking at it is you're talking about an 0-2 start basically at this point because 0-1 and then obviously home to the Chiefs, you might as well mark that down as a loss, so you're 0-2. So your season effectively starts on the road at Detroit versus Jared Goff and uh, the Lions, who showed a little bit of scrap and a little bit of grit against the 49ers uh, yesterday or Sunday as you're listening to this. Um, so, yeah, and it, it, man, it's frustrating. It, it was a frustrating loss for a lot of different reasons. The Ravens, I think the way the game started out, so to go through it a little bit here, the way the game started out, it looked like it had the chance to be a little bit of a frustrating game from the rip. But after that, as I uh, pull up the play-by-play here, I th- believe the Ravens actually got themselves uh, off to a little bit of a, uh, a run. Because after the Raiders are kind of forcing their hand and trying to force-feed uh, Darren Waller with Derek Carr, kind of a little bit inexplicably to start the game, because they, they have weapons on this team. We talked about it in the preview pod, and that bore itself out over the course of the night. But they were just forcing it to Waller and their offense was not looking too good. Even though the fact that Carr did have some time to throw early on in the game, it just felt like the Raiders were trying to force it to Waller and the Ravens offense was capitalizing at times when they got the ball. I think they started off with a couple punts, but you had the Ravens get into a fourth down and one into Raider territory. And uh, you have the nice play call by Greg Roman and a good job by Alville and who had a rough game overall, as we're going to talk about, but a nice job to get, 
get involved with the run game and spring Tyson Williams for a touchdown. So that gets, gets the Ravens up to seven, nothing. And then uh, obviously after that, uh, the Ravens go up uh, by another touchdown, 14 to nothing with a really incredible play by Lamar. Uh, they're down in the red zone and uh, he steps up and kind of sidesteps a, uh, I think it was Max Crosby who was the guy who was abusing Villanueva all night. And he kind of, you know, gets outside of the pocket escapes a little bit, creates and finds Hollywood Brown in the back of the end zone. So 14 to nothing. All of a sudden you're starting to think, okay, like, you know, Ravens are maybe a little bit in control, a little bit more in control here than we were initially thinking. And, uh, it's going to be okay. They're going to go on and win. And, you know, it definitely, uh, it looked like they had a chance to allow that momentum to, uh, get them going, but then the Raiders kind of put together a drive of their own. I think that was when they started to mix in some of their other uh, options in the passing game. Josh Jacobs with a nice little touchdown, and uh, I think where it really starts to get away from the Ravens is their uh, before-the-half sequence where they're up 14-7, to and they're driving, I believe, within the two-minute warning, and uh, they get to a fourth down, and they decide to go for it on fourth down, which I love the call. I'm, I'm always going to be pro going forward on fourth down. I was uh, back when they really kind of unfurled it against the Chiefs in 2019, and I, I always will be as long as they have Lamar and uh, some of the options to work with. But it's just kind of a weird sort of little, uh, you know, they come out in the pistol and they attempt to give it to Latavius Murray, and he just kind of goes nowhere. It was a long yard. It was going to be hard to pick up doing something like that. So, they take the ball out of Lamar's hands, which you know is fine when you have Gus Edwards, but it's a little bit of a tougher sell for me when you have Latavius Murray in there. So he gets stuffed. Raiders pick up the ball, and they drive down the field right before half, and they kick a field goal of their own. So all of a sudden, when it looks like you really have the momentum on your side if you're the Ravens, it looks like you have a chance to maybe go up 21-7 to on the Raiders heading into the locker room, if not just 17-7, to even that would have been pretty good. You walk into the locker room 14 to 10. And that was just kind of the first sort of swing in the momentum where it was like, okay, well, like it just felt like a, a little bit of an unforced error. It felt like them shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. And um, just kind of a first frustrating sign that things were maybe going to turn against them a little bit. Ravens do wind up settling for a field goal kind of at some point in the third there. And uh, it gets the, uh, the score to 17 to 10. But then uh, I believe as we got into the fourth, that's when you had that, uh, Darren Waller touchdown, which was really an incredible job by him. Um, just kind of coming in on a little tight end choice route, and uh, he whips around. I'm, I'm not. I'm kind of blanking on who the DBs were. It's a little late at night here, but uh, whips around and uh, scores an equalizer. And I think part of what allowed the Raiders to get back by that point was the fumble that Lamar had, where he was trying to scramble for the first down. We didn't see to to one point that I think we'll maybe talk about at one point, we didn't see a lot of designed runs from Lamar tonight. It was kind of a weird game plan by Greg Roman where not a lot of designed runs by Lamar, not a lot of inside runs. It was a lot of, uh, a lot of passing, which he has been criticized in the past for. And I think it kind of reared its head again tonight. So Lamar had that fumble that allowed the Raiders to get back into it. And then um, ultimately I think what we come down to is, Lamar with a totally clean pocket late in the game, I think with about six minutes to go, 17 to seven, fires a deep shot, hits Sammy Watkins, who's covered by Nick Kiatowski, their linebacker, kind of inexplicably, and uh, great throw, great catch, sets them up. Latavius Murray punches it in on the next play. So 24 to 17, about six minutes to go, and you're kind of thinking like, okay, the defense is going to have a chance to redeem themselves here. And they just, you know, as was sort of the issue in the second half, they just weren't able to generate any pressure on Carr. He was pressured, I think Jonas Schaefer put out, on only 23% of his plays versus somewhere over 50% for Lamar in this game tonight. So kind of a tale of two offensive lines, which is unfortunate because going into this game, that was a big storyline of how the Raiders' offensive line left to right. You're talking about Colton Miller, Denzel Good. I'm, I'm blanking on who they're starting at center. And uh, another sort of, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say no name, but kind of an unproven option at right guard, and then Alex Leatherwood, a rookie at right tackle. And they had their tough moments in the game um, in the game tonight or last night, but ultimately I think they held up against this Ravens front that you were hoping to be a little more revamped. Odafe Owe did get a sack. I think Houston had a, stack, a sack as well. So they had the pass rush had their individual moments, but they just didn't generate enough consistent pressure, especially not against... Derek Carr, who's getting the ball out super quickly, eventually, once he starts getting away from Waller, 
He's getting the ball out super quickly to these options like Renfro and then Brian Edwards, the wide receiver, winds up being a huge option in this game. Henry Ruggs made a couple plays in the deep passing game. So ultimately, that that really starts to rear its head in the second half. And so the Ravens go up and uh, they do, in fact, make the game 24 to 17 uh, with about six minutes to go. But then the, the Raiders just drive down. Three minutes and change left to go in the game, so Lamar's going to get the ball back, and everyone's kind of thinking, all right, MVP time. Get Justin Tucker in range, kick the field goal, get out of town, and you know what? They they go ahead and they do that, and it happens kind of in a way that I think is unfortunate because it didn't necessarily assuage my concerns about what we saw tonight from the offense. It basically all happened on one long Lamar scramble where you know, they get off to, I think, an inauspicious start on uh, on that possession, and then Lamar kind of just gets out in the open field, does what he does, right up the gut, into Raider territory, pretty much on one run, just kind of flips the field, and it's like, okay, they're, they're probably going to get out of here with the win, but they get like a first and 10, and the Raiders have two timeouts inside the two-minute warning, so basically what they play, what they do is they play to get rid of those two touchdowns. They The Raiders didn't have a touchdown left, uh, with a little bit over a minute left. So the Ravens kind of run it uh, to the left. I think they did kind of a sprint right where Lamar would have an option to pass. But basically what Lamar does, I think on about a third and six, is opt to kind of run it, get it to that right hash for Justin Tucker and have him make the kick and ideally get out of town. And that is ostensibly what happened where Tucker comes out, makes the kick. Raiders get the ball with about 35, 40 seconds left on the clock. Um yeah, 35 seconds left on the clock. And it's basically like you go back to that exact take that you had about the defense earlier. Like, okay, this is the time for them to show up. This is the time for Odafe Owe, who you used the first round pick on to show up and make a play in a meaningful snap. This is the time for Justin Houston, your veteran, going up against Alex Leatherwood, a rookie, to make a play. This is the time for Justin Matabike, who was quiet all night, to come in here and make a make a speedy play. Uh, and bring Derek Carr down and kind of get the clock rolling. But yeah, Raiders, no timeouts, zero timeouts to work with, with uh, over 30 seconds to go. And it's just two plays over the middle. And I, it, I'm not, a, let me see if I can pull, pull up the play by play here. Um, yeah, it was Brian Edwards. And I think it was just Brian Edwards again. So two passes to Brian Edwards, two spikes in between. That forces a field goal with two seconds left from Daniel Carlson. Absolutely nails from 55 yards, by the way. That's what's unfortunate about this is uh, I think Carlson's a pretty good kicker, but I mean, if he misses that, which he was well within his, uh, it it would have been totally fair to say that was too much uh, pressure on him to make that from 55 yards, but he's nails. He forces overtime. And uh, then one of the weirdest sequences for the Ravens that we've probably ever seen ensues where Raiders win the toss uh, on heads. Uh, they get the ball, and they're, they're driving right down the field. And um, Carr, I think, is facing a, a third and something, maybe like a third and six or seven. And he's doing this thing where he's basically falling away from the, uh, the right side of the line. Ravens are bringing some pressure. You ba- it looks like a throwaway. And he just lobs it up into the air for, uh, for Brian Edwards again, who, like I said, was at this point super, super involved in the game. And I, I – it was either Brandon Stevens or Chris Westry, or I think both who were in coverage on Edwards, but he kind of inexplicably does his move on them to kind of hezzy them away. He goes up, high points the ball, catches it, and runs for the end zone, reaches for the goal line, and uh, you think puts it in the paint. The whole Both teams kind of walk out onto the field. The Raiders are celebrating like they won. The refs called it a touchdown on the field. Go back on the reverse, or on the uh, replay. It was clearly not a touchdown, so... You're just, you think it's all but a formality at this point. They're just going to like hand it to Jacobs and walk off the field and get get the hell out of Dodge. But, I mean, one of the weirder sequences in a, a, a any game, not just a primetime game that I can remember, the Raiders, uh, I think they, they run one play, kind of a run up the middle that gets stuffed. Then Leatherwood gets called for a false start on the right side of the offensive line, so it's going to be a second and five. And Carr... Willie Sneed is wide open into the left slot. He is going to walk into the end zone for a touchdown if he makes the catch. Carr kind of fires a bullet pass at him. It bounces off of his hands up into the air and just falls into the breadbasket for Anthony Averett, who just takes a knee in the end zone for the touchback. And at this point, you're, you're kind of thinking if, 
if you're a Ravens fan, and I, I certainly had this thought cross through my mind that you know they got they got a horseshoe up at their, their ass in this one. They don't deserve this win, but maybe they're going to go and get it. But just a rough sequence for them. Um, no way to no way around it. I mean, the offense basically did. They went out there, and of all the issues that they faced last night, that was in a microcosm of that drive where you had a drop by Mark Andrews, ostensibly a drop. I mean, he he was a little bit pressured on it. It was kind of a, a tough tough catch to make, but guess what? You're making $56 million a year on your new contract to make catches like that, and he doesn't make it. So I love Mark. I'm always going to love Mark, but... Uh, you know, just once again, kind of, kind of fading in a big moment there. So that's unfortunate. And then I, I'm not sure if it was Nassib or Max Crosby. I think it was Nassib coming off the right side on Al Villanueva, who, speaking of a microcosm of the night, just gets absolutely blown up on the right side. And Lamar fumbles it away, and he knows it right away. He's just kind of laying there, just in complete shock that he fumbled the ball away again. Raiders take over, and basically, once again, as a Ravens fan, you're thinking, okay, it's. It's over right here. They run one play. Then they're kind of deciding what to do with their their kicker. They run their kicker out there, but they only have like 13 or so seconds as he's trotting onto the field. So it's like there's no way they're going to get this thing off. So they take the timeout. Gruden sends his offense back uh, out onto the field. So at this point, it's kind of like, what is even what is even happening here? Like, what are they doing? Or do <laughs> is this just the the classic Gruden? kind of game management issues and sends them out there. They, they set up to throw a pass, which you aren't expecting at that point. And Marlon Humphrey certainly wasn't expecting at that point. He essentially gets picked by Chris Westry, I think on the play covering Zay Jones, Zay Jones of all people who gets past Marlon Humphrey deep into the secondary, just wide open catches the ball, trots into the end zone. Raiders win 33, 27. So just an incredibly weird up and down game. Uh, a fun game to watch if you're neutrals. It's it's one of those things where like if you're a Ravens fan or like a fan of any team involved in the losing end of one of these games and you see everyone on Twitter who's a neutral saying like, oh God, the, what an amazing game. Football is awesome. And you're just like, oh my God, just shut up. Like I don't, I don't want to hear that right now. But on the outside looking in, I can see why they're saying that. It was very entertaining. There was a lot of weird stuff that happened. And um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those games that, uh, belongs on Monday night football for better and for worse. And for better is for everyone that's not a Ravens fan. And for worse is for me recording this and for all of you listening to it, which is unfortunate, but that's the uh, straight up recap of the game. And uh, now before I get out of here, I'm going to take a couple minutes to answer some listener questions. I put this out here on Twitter. So let's take a look, pulling this up here. First one coming from Rob. We got a lot of questions on uh, Alejandro Villanueva, so I'll try to just answer them right here and then move on from that. So Rob says, what do you do at right tackle? Let AV hopefully settle in, or do you look elsewhere? Um, I think it. I think it's going to depend on like the first four weeks. Like I said, I think the first four weeks are going to kind of be crucial here, and I picked the Ravens to start two and two. I had them winning this game, but I had them going to Denver and losing. So I had them winning this game, losing to KC, beating Detroit, losing to Denver. So I still might stick with that. I think depending on the way Detroit looks over the next couple of weeks and depending on the way the Ravens are able to bounce back from this, um, I could see them reversing their fortunes a little bit. But it depends, like, are you are you going to get to 1-3 and three or 0-4 oh and, and is Villanueva going to be a huge part in that? And at that point, you ask yourself the question, is it even worth ponying up a pick? to try and improve the right side of the offensive line this year when we're not going to do anything anyway? Um, Or do we look to the trade market and who do we look for? Or do we look to the free agent market where Mitchell Schwartz is, who I got some questions on tonight as well. I feel like guys, I feel like Mitchell Schwartz, if that was going to be the move, like that probably would have happened already at some point. I think they made their move here with AV and uh, it looked rough tonight from people who are smarter than me. Shout out to like uh, Cole Jackson and some of these guys that know offensive line a little bit better than me. They said the feet were kind of the issue with Al Villanueva tonight that he just, his feet were not moving. And I mean, it just, it showed even for somebody who doesn't have a, a trained football eye, 
like some other people do. You could just see him getting beat by Crosby by pure power all night off the right side of the line. And it proved to be crucial. It proved to be the crucial sort of game-ending turnover for the Ravens. And I think, uh, basically, I think they made their move with Villanueva. And if it doesn't work, then I think the season's kind of unfortunately over anyway. So it depends on if the Ravens are willing to sign Mitchell Schwartz, but their cap space is in such a bad spot right now, I think or I wouldn't necessarily say bad, but they're just tied up against the cap. And like, they like to have a little bit of cap to work with to begin with. So they're already in an uncomfortable spot. And so you got that going on and you just don't know how much it's going to cost to bring somebody like Mitchell Schwartz in. And then I don't know, man, it was weird. They started Tyree Phillips at left guard in this game. Everyone kind of had already penciled Ben Cleveland in for that spot, but maybe it was some combination of his injuries and the fact that they didn't want him starting there. But yeah, they start Phillips. He, I don't, candidly, I don't know what he looked like without having the opportunity to rewatch the game. I, I would assume not great necessarily, but he didn't have any terrible plays, but he leaves with an injury. They put Ben Powers in. It was just a rough game overall for the uh, offensive line. Ronnie Stanley even looked a little bit rough at times. So it's just going to be, it's going to be rough out the gates for the offensive line. You're talking about Chris Jones coming to town next week. Some of those guys on the Chiefs defense can get after it. So I mean, you got all that going on. You got the Denver game in week four. It's They got plenty of guys on the uh, run seven. So, yeah, I'm a little worried about the offensive line, to be to be quite frank. And, yes, Al Villanueva is a big concern. I'm not totally sure what they do at this point, but it just it, it all depends on, I think, what happens over the next couple of weeks. And if you feel that if you feel that you have something that you need to capitalize on or if you feel that you can get something for low cost, then go ahead and do it. But I, I just kind of feel like they made their move and they might have to live with it. Um, token BK. After tonight, should we temper our expectations as an automatic playoff team? The O-line has me very concerned and I'm not sure how they'll fix it. I'm not sure how they'll fix it either. Uh, automatic playoff team. Yeah, I probably would be maybe a little concerned about that, especially with Pittsburgh going up to Buffalo and getting that win. I mean, they I rewatched the condensed game of that. The Pittsburgh didn't look great necessarily, but just to get that win and start off on the front foot like that is pretty big for them. And I, I had Pittsburgh at eight and nine as a playoff team, that seventh seed. Um, I just, you know, Mike Tomlin, I just feel like he's always going to find a way to figure it out. And big Ben, like he didn't look great uh, on Sunday, but I don't know. I feel like they, they can kind of just by hook and by crook win nine games or something like that this year, win 10 games and do what they got to do. I mean, their defense looked awesome. Awesome. So that that's another one that's going to be really tough with this Ravens offensive line is uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's defense. Cincinnati looks like no pushover against the Vikings getting that win. I mean, the Brownies looked really good in their loss to Kansas City at times. So yeah, it's uh, I I would certainly temper expectations as an automatic playoff team. If I had my if I had to make a pick right now, I would pick the Ravens to make the playoffs just based upon the fact that they are talented in a lot of ways. They have some re- reinforcements coming with Rashad Bateman, but yeah, it's just it. It's going to be tough if the offensive line plays the way that they did, and if the defensive front can't get consistent pressure. Chiefs out west. Speaking of that, how are the Ravens going to generate interior pressure when they really need it? Um, yeah, I don't know what happened with Matt Abike tonight. Like I, so I saw Spencer kind of talking to me in the group chat a little bit about how he wasn't even on the field at times. So that's rough. Like you, you, you ideally want him out there, and you want him providing pressure on his own and you want him to be able to do that without having to blitz and send extra guys but it just wasn't there tonight um you're, you're really gonna have to hope for a breakout campaign from OA. you're gonna have to hope for more than you saw from houston tonight and uh you're gonna need wink wink to really dialed up for all the talk about how he's able to do that how he's able to create pressure with exotic looks and interior blitzes and we did see a big uh sack from patrick queen tonight on uh an interior blitz Wink's just really going to have to get creative. And you're just going to need to see more from some of these guys. And I think they have the talent to play better than they did tonight. But uh, it's going to be tough against that uh, revamped Chiefs offensive line that we've already heard all about in uh, in absolute droves. So, uh, number one vaccination enthusiast. Where was the pressure tonight? Is Lamar going to be under duress like this all season? Where is the light at the end of the tunnel? So, where was the pressure tonight? It's a great question. I mean, like, like I mentioned, this Raiders offensive line was really patchwork. Richie Incognito was out. 
They cut Rodney Hudson earlier in the year controversially, and uh, I think Andre James was their starting center maybe, who I'm not even totally sure who that is. So, yeah, they, they should have done a better job tonight, and uh, I'm not sure what all that was. Is Lamar going to be under duress like this all season? It was just a weird game plan by Roman. He wasn't getting the running game into rhythm at all. To his credit, they weren't ripping off big chunks in the running game like I think they're used to when they're at their best, but it was just a weird game plan, like a lot of lot of pass plays, man, a lot of pass plays, and you know everyone saw this, and there was plenty of comments on it on Twitter about Lamar kind of double-clutching and sort of pump-faking and doing all this weird stuff uh, as he's going through his progressions, and I think he was just trying to will guys open, too, because it looked like they were just they were doing that Gus Bradley cover three drop X amount of guys and just kind of let the chips fall where they may. And I don't know. I think it just worked against them a little bit tonight. Uh, next one from Daniel B. Is that a top five all-time worst? <laughs> is that a top five all-time worst Ravens regular season loss? Because it sure as hell was for me. We, we should do a podcast on this at some point. Worst and best like regular season losses. And probably try to like contain it to games that like nobody remembers because this game is going to be like a uh, a fun fact at some point in like some years, I think. Like you look back on some of these random games and uh, I, ho- I certainly hope that's the case in the context of like the Ravens get it together and like hopefully this is just a blip on the radar and maybe that'll be the case. Um, I, I would say no just because it's in week one um, and I, I was expecting a close game anyway. I think I picked this uh, game as like a 28-27 Ravens win somewhere in that territory. So I was expecting a close game. I... Certainly had respect for the Raiders. Like people are on Twitter, like talking about how the Raiders are this like bottom 10 team that, you know, the Ravens should just be handing their ass to and like walking out of Vegas with a double digit point win. And I don't know. I was never in that camp. Um, They have weapons galore on offense. We saw that play out in the second half. I think Gruden can really put it together with his, uh, his play calling and Greg Olson, I suppose is uh, owed some credit there as well. And Gus Bradley, not for nothing, a damn good defensive coordinator. And he, uh, he contained Lamar Jackson in a playoff game a couple years ago. We didn't hear the end of that. And I think, you know, these are obviously, they're both at different points in their careers. But Gus Bradley, nothing to shake a stick at. And the Raiders defense looked pretty damn good on the defensive front at the very least. So you, you got to give them some credit. It's a week one game. It's not really, I don't think this one's really going to be in the pantheon of like all-time bad losses. Like the, the fact that the fact that the Ravens had a chance to win that game after the Willie Sneed drop Averett interception, is just absurd. Like the Ravens, it should have ended there with the Edwards uh, touchdown. It didn't, whatever, but I don't know. I think just the, the second half, the Raiders were the better team, and uh, it's probably the better team overall, so they deserve to win tonight, um, but I guess that takes us into another question from Sean. Should we hit the panic button for the right side of the O-line, or do we give it another week to see how Harbs addresses it? Uh, okay, so I, I kind of already answered this, but I think he's just asking or to make it into more of a panic button thing in general. Um, panic button's not hit. I think uh, you got to get to two and two, though. If, you, if you're if you one and three, I'm hitting the panic button. I, I'm saying that right now. Um, Hurricane Chris. Uh, did we ask too much of the young corners on third downs? Uh, that's a good schematic question. I would probably say... I would probably say yes with the caveat of, like, what else are you going to do? Like, what other players do you have? Jimmy Smith was out. We obviously saw that they lost Marcus Peters a couple days ago. So just a a tough spot for the defense to be in. And I hate to like, I don't want to make excuses for them or anything, but because, you know, they they had some really rough uh, plays tonight, even from their guys that have been playing and practicing all preseason and summer and figure to be a big part of this team. But yeah, like Tavon Young looked rough in spots. Um, Westry got exposed a little bit, I think, which is going to happen for a guy like him. Um, Brandon Stevens, I think, had that one rough play against uh, Henry Ruggs. He couldn't really do much, but I think he was actually lined up as a safety there, so not really sure um, how much blame he's owed on that one. But yeah, they they certainly got exposed a little bit, but to me, that's more of just like a talent issue. Like, unfortunately, like, I hate, and I hate to say it's a talent issue, but it's like, what more are you going to do? Like, you drafted Brandon Stevens in the third round, like, Westry's really intriguing. Um, Tavon's coming back. I think Averett played a pretty damn good game. So yeah, like 
you know, maybe it's asking too much of them, but like that, that's just kind of the deal at this point, you know, like Marcus Peters goes down, you know, four days ago, you're going to have to get forced into action. And sometimes that's just life in the NFL and that sucks. And they got exposed and hopefully they learn from it. Um, but we're going to see, man, we're going to, maybe they make a move for a, a corner. Who knows? They could have signed, uh, you know, some guys, Drake Kirkpatrick, I think got signed today. So that's not going to happen, but we'll see. I think they're, I, I alluded to this on Twitter. I think they're way more fine at defense than offensive line. I think offensive line is really the real concern here. Uh, speaking of that, Garnett, uh, can any of you guys play tackle? Uh, if he's referring to people on Twitter, I'm going to say no. If he's referring to us on the podcast, I'm going to also say no. Uh, so no. <laughs> uh, and then he says... In all seriousness, do you guys think we could bring Adrian Ely up? Yeah, I mean, like, it just, that kind of feels to me like a game of, uh, that kind of feels to me like a game of throw the kitchen sink at the right side of the offensive line. And whether that is Mitchell Schwartz, as we, we've alluded to, or you go to the in-house option with bringing Ely up, it might be worth another look at something else, but it's it's going to have to manifest manifest itself at the exact right time, and um, it's going to be tough to tell, man. I mean, if they if they can scrape out two and two, and they feel like they do need to make that move, then maybe. But I mean, to be well, like Ely, like that's not that's not a super high risk move, so I could definitely see it happening. Um, but I also like it's kind of tough to decide when he's going to get a look. Because Sunday Night Football versus the Chiefs, that's kind of a tough draw for him. So maybe maybe you save that versus the Lions, who I don't think they have any discern, discernible talent on the front seven that would be too much for him to handle, but then the Broncos would be tough as well. But yeah, it's just it's another thing where it's a talent thing, I think. Like they're just in a bad spot there. Um Shore says Do you think this team just doesn't have enough reps in close games to close them out? Basically <laughs> Basically, have we been hustling backwards with all the damn blowouts the last couple of years? I get what you're saying, and I like the galaxy brain take. I like the uh, I like the creativity there, but uh, I don't know, man. They they played some close games last year. Like they they beat the Browns in Cleveland in that big game. We all saw, of course. Um, you know, they they did what they had to do um, in in certain spots down the stretch when they were really up against it. And then they go into Tennessee and they win that Titans game, which it just feels like that. Uh, and I, I'm not talking to anyone writing in or the listeners specifically more so like NFL Twitter and the football cognoscenti at large is just kind of forgetting the fact that the Ravens won a close playoff game in Tennessee against a very tough Titans team. So I don't know. I like, I don't think this needs to be any sort of referendum that they can't close games out or that Lamar Jackson can't pass, which the ESPN telecast was all over all the improvements he's trying to make as a passer, which I just feel like I, I wish we could move on from that. I'm sure we're not going to, and maybe I'm just being a big softy, but it's just getting annoying. Uh, Seth, it's crazy the season has started and Eric still hasn't brought in a swing tackle. Is there anyone who was a free agent recently cut or bench player that you have your eye on after Tyree went down? I'm assuming for the year there's no excuse now. So, I, yeah, so Tyree Phillips, if he's out for the year, that probably is going to be relatively big, and they probably are going to be bringing somebody in. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, would it just be the in-house guy with Ely? Would it be a Mitchell Schwartz? We'll see. Uh, Zeke Batman, a little bit of a related one. How much are you wishing we had taken Jenkins or another tackle at 31? Fun game, but hard not to feel a sense of doom with the Chiefs on the horizon and falling to 0-2 likely. D is rough without Peters. Dog attitude added in. Think that's what they are missing the most. So the Tevin Jenkins thing, like, I would have I would have picked Tevin Jenkins or Joe Tryon before they picked OA. And OA looked good tonight. Like, he had a couple really good speed rushes off the edge. He, he was fast as shit, and he ran down Derek Carr for that one sack. That was an awesome play, so... I, I'm not having any buyer's remorse on Odafe Owe as a player, but yeah, maybe Tevin Jenkins would have been the good pick there. He's not having a great start with the Bears, I don't think. So maybe, like, I don't know. It, it's just kind of tough to tell. Um, it's kind of tough to play that game, unfortunately. Sense of doom with the Chiefs on the horizon. I mean, like, they, they're they falling to 0-2. Like, I, I hate to break it to you guys, but, like, they're... they're <laughs> 
the team that we saw last night and the the team that even if they were at their best, they were never going to beat the Chiefs. So they're going to be 0-2. We basically have to do our calculations from there. So that that sucks. And the D is rough without Peter's uh, dog attitude added in. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just like it's not even just like necessarily the dog attitude, but also the experience. Like it's tough having a lot of young corners back there. And Averett's starting to get a little more seasoning. And like I said, I think he played pretty well tonight. But yeah, overall, it's just it's a lot of lack of experience. And I think it showed itself on some of the big plays that we saw through the air late in the game from Edwards, from Henry Ruggs on the, the Brandon Stevens thing. Uh, that's just something that you really can't teach. You just, you learn with experience and they, they certainly learn tonight. Uh, Clay, how many boots did they run and how are we going to stop the inevitable bunch packages? The chiefs are about to throw at us. Uh, I don't know how many boots they ran. Actually, I thought Carr was just doing a lot of straight drop pack stuff, but I'll definitely uh, be rewatching the game at some point tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately, and, uh, see, uh, and then the bunch packages, the chiefs are going to throw at us like, like I wish I had some schematic answer for like how they're going to stop the Chiefs, but I just I don't I don't see it. Like Cleveland threw every single thing that they had at them, and it looked like they might pull it out, and they just still didn't. The Chiefs are just absolutely inevitable. And Darren Waller, like the Ravens, I I don't even know if the Ravens did a great job bottling him up. It was just Carr was forcing it to him, and he he was missing at times um, last night. I think Travis Kelsey is going to absolutely eat once again. And uh, that's just the way it's going to have to be, unfortunately. Um, another Mitchell Schwartz question from Derek. So we'll skip that. Um, Jeffrey, the Chiefs can do the same thing the Raiders did to us and more because Mahomes is far more mobile. Why should we expect to win on Sunday Night Football if not for fluky turnovers? Also, last time we fired OC midseason, it ended pretty well. I think it's time Roman has to go. Um yeah, no, I mean, like, once again, like, I hate to be this guy, but it just the Chiefs thing, like, we can forget about beating the Chiefs. The Ravens have to kind of, they got to take stock of what they can do after they start 0-2, so it's, let's not even worry about that. Fluky turnovers, maybe that's going to happen, but I just, I don't see it. Um, but I think it's an interesting point that you bring up there with Roman, and maybe it is going to be time at some point. And I've defended Roman, and I think uh, he's gotten a lot of shit for a lack of talent in the passing game as opposed to like what he's doing schematically. I think it was a little bit of both, but I think it was just always like fans always, and I'm guilty of this too. We always tend towards the coaches for blame as opposed to the players, or at least a lot of the time, because we feel close to the players. We feel a kingship there with coaches. It's much more of a a nameless faceless sort of thing that we can just point to and say like, Oh, well you, you called a shitty play there. Like you, you, you had a bad game plan, but I think like you could tangibly see that this was a little bit of a weird game plan from Greg Roman, and I am sure he had his reasons for going away from Tyson Williams after that nice start, and um, I'm sure he had his reasons for not calling more running plays when it just really felt like the passing game was not doing what you needed it to do, especially not against this Gus Bradley defense where it's just a lot of sitting back in zone and waiting for the throw, or waiting for the pass and all that kind of stuff, but Maybe it is going to be the time at some point soon, and I don't know who is the candidate to replace him. I think everyone kind of would point to James Urban, and that would probably be my pick if it had to be made. I wish I had like a more concrete schematic answer, and maybe Spenny will next time that he's on here. But yeah, it just feels like at a certain point, something does have to give. And to your point about the fact that it went well last time they fired a guy midseason with, uh, he's obviously alluding to Cam Cameron getting fired. Jim Caldwell coming in and sort of unlocking the offense for a Super Bowl run. Maybe Harbaugh is, and I like Harbaugh doesn't and rightfully shouldn't feel any pressure for his job security. So I don't think it's going to come from that angle, but I think just in, in the respect of keeping Lamar in the conversation as one of the best quarterbacks and getting him his contract and frankly, just winning fucking games and winning double digit games this year. Like it, it might ultimately be worth a conversation for you know bringing in somebody else who can maybe understand game flow a little bit better, who can maybe check his ego with the passing game at the door at certain times. And maybe I'm unfairly putting some of this stuff on Roman because of the injury to Gus Edwards and you know the J.K. Dobbins injury a couple weeks ago. Like they're both pretty, pretty huge, uh, pretty huge blows to a, a offense that relies on the running game a little bit, but. 
at a certain point, like enough is going to have to be enough. And with an offense that we've seen what they can do when Lamar Jackson is at his best, you know, mediocre to like decent isn't going to cut it. So eventually you're going to have to throw your chips in. And if that means firing Greg Roman and replacing like a James Urban when you're like maybe around 500 or something and you're looking for a spark like halfway through the year, maybe that is going to happen. So we'll definitely see. And uh, a good question. Um, Seth, I thought for the most part, Averett and Westry held up well back there. Cap space is tight, but you think, do you think at some point we'll also need to make an addition at corner? Hard to trust Jimmy Smith to stay healthy, and I don't think we have any on the practice squad as of now. So I agree with your first part there. I think Averett and Westry look good. Um, Westry, I think, had one rough play. I think he was covering Waller by himself. So that's kind of a tough draw. I know he's got size, but that's still a, a, a tough one. Um, but I would say no. I would say just ride it out at corner. And if you're going to make any additions like we've talked about, do it on the offensive line and just kind of try and figure that out. Um, and like, uh, you know, Jimmy Smith will be health, will be healthy at some point. And I understand like the difficulty in like trusting him to stay healthy, but unfortunately, like you just got to play the damn that you play the hand that you're dealt. And the Ravens just got dealt a shitty hand with Peters's injury. And that sucks to say, and maybe that's like a fatalist thing. And, Maybe there is some, you know, young hotshot corner that they can bring in for nothing crazy as far as cap space or, you know, draft pick value, but we're going to have to see. Angie, uh, there was good, bad, and a whole lot of ugly. Going to try to focus on the positive. What Ravens players were you most impressed with in this game? Uh, I was impressed with Tyson Williams. He looked really smooth coming out of the backfield uh, for or in the passing game, um, a couple wheel routes, little checkdowns. Uh, he had like a miscommunication with Lamar on one of them, which uh, was uh, which was used by the broadcast to show that Lamar still had work to do as a passer, which kind of uh, inexplicably made me angry. But I thought he looked really good, both in that respect and as a, a runner. Obviously, he scored the touchdown. He he just looked, I think, like pretty much what you're going to get out of a former undrafted running back who has to take over at this spot. He looked about as good as you can expect for that. So impressed with Tyson Williams. I was impressed with Odafe away. Impressed with Brandon Stevens. I thought he held up pretty well uh, in certain spots. He did get victimized by rugs on that one thing, but I don't think it was really his fault. Um, Patrick Queen, a little bit of an up and down game. He had a weird penalty on Hunter Renfro, but he also had the sack. He made a couple other plays going sideline to sideline. So, Hopefully he's going to have that um, leap season that we're looking for. Uh, Sammy Watkins, I I believe he led the team in receiving. I think he had almost 100 yards. Um, Yeah, so four for 96 from Sammy Watkins. He looked really good. Hollywood Brown looked really good. Six for 69. He had the touchdown. Uh, Nice. Um, And he he made a couple clutch plays. He caught a few first downs. He looked good. Um, But those were kind of, those were the two guys that were kind of in the receiving game. Like Tyson had three for 29 who he actually outpaced Mark Andrews, who had three for 20, Pat Ricard, two for 15, Devin Duvernay, one for six. So not enough involvement across the board in the receiving game. But for those who were Sammy and Marquise, I I was impressed by those two guys. And uh, Trenton Cannon looked really fast. So there was another one. But yeah, overall, um, those are probably the guys that I was most impressed by. I really liked what I saw from OA. Uh, John Ernest, what are we going to do about the trenches? Um... I don't know, man. We're we're just we're gonna kind of have to see. Unfortunately, um, maybe it's maybe it's Roman's gonna need to figure out a way to just get the offensive line downhill in the run game a little bit more. Stop messing around with all this east west stuff and just kind of get back to north south football that they would run like late in games with Gus Edwards last year. Maybe you gotta maybe you gotta start going to that and trying to get yourself in position to get an easy bucket on like a second and short, third and short, and just keep the ball moving towards the sticks as opposed to getting behind in the count. Like we talked about all last year in 2020 with, you know, the first down runs to Mark Ingram that would go nowhere. Then you get yourself in second and 10. And then like, maybe you're getting yourself like a third and eight or a third and seven at best from there. Like you got to get yourself, just find a way to get this offensive line moving, get the running game going and get yourself in manageable situations on third down because it doesn't look like, and maybe Rashad Bateman will help with this when it comes back, but it just it doesn't look like the passing game juice is there right now. It's not necessarily bad, but it's not juiced up. Uh, so that's tough. And then we've talked a little bit about the uh, the defensive front. I think they're hurt by the loss of Peters, but 
Wake is going to have to start scheming some stuff up, and hopefully OA can continue to look good, and Justin Houston can continue to settle in as well. Uh, Ryan, does Wink need to limit the use of cover zero defense when the secondary with the secondary banged up the way it is? Yeah, maybe he does. I mean, like there there were a couple spots there where he did call that cover zero, and it wound up hurting them. You had the uh, one where the Raiders were down in the red zone, and he called that cover zero blitz with Tavon Young and Hunter Renfro matched up, and they just got all sorts of tangled up. It was a bad pass interference, just kind of a weird play on third down. So it gave the Raiders, Raiders an automatic first and ostensibly a touchdown. So maybe a little bit of a less rambling, gambling wink is going to be necessary this year. But I think he's also feeling things out here uh, as we start the season off. So you're going to have to take your licks against Patrick Mahomes, see what works and what doesn't. And that's the league's best that is on offer. So if it works against him, maybe take it into the next week against Detroit and, uh, if it doesn't, you know, may, maybe take that as a, a sign that you need to throw it out. Um, Robert, how much of this game is overreaction versus actual concern? Also, it's an every week league. People seem to forget that. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think like overreactions are kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like a played out trope at this point in the media that like, oh, my overreactions, look at my overreactions. Like it's kind of like this, it's turned to, it's, it's getting a little too meta for me. It's turning into a bit, um, but I am seeing some serious doom and gloom from people. And like, I get it because that's a tough loss to take. And uh, I'm feeling it in some ways. I'm feeling it on the O-line personally. So like, I would say limit it to like position groups. What position groups are you feeling the most doom and gloom for? And just kind of limit it to that. Don't necessarily like look too far down the schedule and worry about like the Ravens overall record. For me, it's the offensive line. For you, maybe it's the front seven or the corners. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some cause for concern. I, I'm not hitting the panic button yet though. Um, DJ and K show. Is there an actual fix for this offensive line, especially with the suspect play calling? I think it, it probably partially goes back to the play calling with the, uh, the talent issues. Like I said, like maybe it involves getting them involved in the run game and getting, getting guys moving downhill, just playing North South football as opposed to like East West and trying to like do all this fancy stuff in the passing game. Um, and calling on Lamar too. I mean, like there are not a lot of, designed runs for Lamar tonight, which, you know, they usually make a lot of hay on those. And part of that is the mesh point issues between him and these running backs, him and Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, Trenton Cannon, and uh, whether they bring up Freeman or Bell, they just have no experience together with these, uh, these mesh point plays. And you had uh, one fumble that they jumped on early in the game between Lamar and Williams. And I think another one as well that they jumped on, but that's going to happen. And it's just tough. Um, So you're gonna have to figure that out. Uh, Eric G. Clark, do we need to go 2020 Steelers in the passing game? Um, not totally sure what you mean by that, Eric. 2020 Steelers in the sense of just like keeping it short and like getting the ball out quick. I think that's probably a good suggestion at this point. Um, your targets like Andrews is maybe built for that. Hollywood's really not totally built for that. Unfortunately, I don't think Watkins maybe would be. And uh, I think Bateman could probably do that as well. So, yeah, maybe do that kind of thing. But just, yeah, I think getting the ball out quick, tempo, and getting north-south with the running game is maybe a, a quick fix, fix for the offensive line as they maybe assess what to do. So that's probably going to be the approach versus the Chiefs. And like I said, just kind of, you know, see what's going on with that. Uh, and then last one, Jordan wrote in via DM. Um... If you were unable to watch a single second in this game, he was at a concert is why he's asking, I think, uh, like me, what is the biggest thing to know that you can't pick up from the highlights or box score? Uh, I would say that the Ravens offense right now is maybe more dependent on Lamar Jackson than they've maybe ever been. They needed a bucket from Lamar in many situations tonight and sometimes they got it and sometimes they didn't but like man when when he picked it up for them like with the uh the run for the field goal late that really should have been the winner and it wound up not being like that was that told me everything I need to know like this guy is this guy's ready to roll in 2021 and like it it sucks that the offensive line looks to not be there and the OBJ situation sucks and like we can bemoan that and lament that all we want and like it just it, it kind of is what it is at this point but they're dependent on Lamar Jackson for better and for worse 
And I think it, it did end up costing them tonight, but I'm still confident in him. I'm still confident that when they need a bucket, they're going to go to him and he's going to get them that bucket. We saw that on the touchdown pass to Brown. Saw it on some of his other plays tonight. He looked good in the running game. I think he be, I believe he led the team in rushing with, uh, yep, 12 carries for 86 yards, uh, beating out Tyson Williams, who had 65. So, you know, they, they're more dependent on Lamar than they've ever been. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing right now. Um, but if they can get it together in you know certain other aspects, uh, particularly the offensive line, quicker passing, going to the run game, I think that's going to be a recipe for more success. So I guess to sort of close this thing out here, I'm not pulling the uh, the panic button, the panic alarm or anything like that quite yet. It's a tough loss to take, but like I said, for myself, for my own predictions, I was expecting a close one. I thought the Raiders were going to give them a tough test. Just, you know, I don't think the Raiders are this great team necessarily, but it's week one. They have no negative momentum working against them, and they do have weapons in the passing game. And Carr, like him or not, he's a pretty decent quarterback. And uh, he's been a clutch quarterback. If you look at some of the numbers, he he has you know plenty of money throws. He was like eighth in money throws in the league last year. So Derek Carr can get it done, and uh, he got it done against the Ravens tonight with a 33-27 to win. So running close to about 50 minutes here by myself. Uh, to that, I owe a lot of you guys credit for sending in questions and providing me content here. Wasn't expecting to have to rip this thing solo. And, uh, uh, I'd like to think I did an okay job. I know you guys love it when, uh, Spenny can hop on after these games and provide his, uh, much more trained analysis than mine. So apologies that we were not able to make this happen, uh, this week, but, uh, I believe we'll be able to do it next week for the chiefs. And, uh, I think we're doing a little trade off here. I will be in Chicago for work. This coming week, so I think it's going to be Spenny and Voss on the preview uh, of the Chiefs game. Probably going to be coming out Thursday, Friday, something like that. So keep an eye out for that, uh, and keep your head up. Uh, it was certainly a tough loss, but like I said, could have gone either way. And uh, who knows? Maybe their luck will turn and they'll win uh, one of these close games that they uh, maybe shouldn't win at some point down the stretch uh, of this season. But uh, it's week one of what are now eighteen weeks. Uh, there's a lot of these things in front of us and, uh, it was, you know, if nothing else, if not a enjoyable first game, it was at the very least exciting. It reminded us that we are in fact alive and it reminded us that football is unequivocally the greatest team sport, uh, in the world. So it wasn't a fun result, but it was fun watching it. It was fun having football back. Ravens are back and th- listen, they're Owen one. They're probably about to be Owen two, but this is a team that, uh, and a franchise really that prides itself on being the underdog. So I will sign off with go ahead and doubt them at your peril, and uh, we'll see where the chips end up falling. But uh, until then, if you enjoyed what you heard, go ahead and uh, follow us on social media. You can follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. My handle is at Jake Luke, that is L O U Q U E. Spencer is at Ravens Four Dummies, that's the number four. Follow him for plenty of great uh, post game breakdown stuff that he's going to be doing uh, both. Uh, written on w or on uh com and on twitter as well and that is again at ravens for dummies so thanks for listening to me guys i hope i wasn't too unbearable in this uh solo hour and uh i'll we'll talk to you again uh, very soon arrivederci gorlami gorlami Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.